0: We're live,
1: bro. <laughs> Welcome to the Denim Dungeon. We are recording on a tragic Tuesday. It is election day in the United States, but we are here to talk 49ers football. I am your host Brian Renick. I am a contributor at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined as always by my co-host and my fellow contributor, but most importantly, my good buddy, T. Sleazy, Tim Sprinkles. How's it going on this Tragic Tuesday?
0: Oh, Brian, uh, it's been interesting taking in all of the information uh, coming in both in the sports world and in the political world. There's a lot to take in and digest and just make sense over. Um, It's, yeah. It was not a good game for the 49ers when they went up to Seattle. Uh, they, they played very poorly. And I think in all phases of the game, there was nothing that was phenomenal and stood out. Uh, a lot of bad. More injuries. And and then tonight, just watching the election, you know, obviously, I knew I was going to go to bed not knowing the answers to this election uh but it's just frustrating for that to come to fruition and and be like it's it's a, it's it's 10:30 and no one has a clue as to how it's going to play out
1: yeah it's uh it's tough but uh, i know that that normally we we record on a monday and then the pod comes out on a tuesday i texted you yesterday and i was like hey the trade deadline is tuesday the 49ers made a trade on monday we're going to talk about that but I texted you. I said, well, "How about we wait to record until Tuesday night? That way it's after the the trade deadline, So if the 49ers make any other moves, we could talk about it. And we were like, "Cool, let's do that." And about three hours later, I was like, "Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Tuesday night's election night. Maybe that probably probably wasn't the best idea, but here we are. We want to get uh we yeah. want to get our 49ers content out for you guys despite what's going on uh, in the country and so we are going to uh, focus and actually I'll be perfectly honest having this to focus on is probably a good thing for me so we're gonna we're gonna bring you our 49ers content and unfortunately it'd be nice if that 49ers content was happy in nature but ultimately after that game on Sunday uh, not so much <laughs> not no. so much at all
0: very very sad very. Just unfortunate watching uh, two of the premier players on the 49ers offense walking to the locker room just after halftime. Uh, it kind of seemed like going in at half, the 49ers had missed some opportunities uh, to either be uh, tied with the Seahawks or leading at halftime. They kind of squandered those, uh, those chances away. Uh, with a brilliant start from the defense to the game, and and then it just seemed like the Forty ers fell off a cliff to start the second half. The wheels and fell off for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it. Yeah, that story is about a bike. I don't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> it's a great Holiday Inn commercial. I don't that know is, if you that is. If you remember that, do you remember that commercial? I do. I do. Oh, he's not. So a, he's not an author.
1: Yeah, he's. But he stayed at a you know, Holiday Inn. He stayed at Holiday Inn. And uh,
0: do you know anybody that can draw?
1: No. <laughs> so yeah. So the big news coming out of uh, out of the game uh, on the injury front. First off, George Kittle, the all world tight end, the people's tight end, will be out at least eight weeks with a broken bone in his foot. My favorite aspect of that is that Shanahan did come out to today and say that it will be eight weeks. Kittle thinks it'll be two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because he's George F. and Kittle. <laughs> but uh the the team is going to protect himself from himself, and that is an eight-week injury, which barring a playoff run for the 49ers means that George Kittle's season is done.
0: Yeah, there was a, a doctor on who came onto Fox and uh spoke on behalf of I guess his medical profession um and gave his his Uh, diagnosis without actually working on Kittle, but the biggest fear is that it is a Jones fracture. And that is the same injury that uh, Debo Samuel suffered uh, earlier in the year. And he made a relatively speedy recovery uh, from that. I think it was right around six weeks that Debo Samuel was out from the time of his injury. And that ultimately is the time frame on the early side that they suspect George Kittle would be back, but most likely uh, it's going to be around an eight-week injury. Uh, If he has surgery on that foot, they said it could last up to 10 weeks, and obviously that would most likely put him out for the rest of the year, which if it is a serious Jones fracture in nature that requires surgery, then him being out for the rest of the year giving him uh, the off season to heal as well would probably the bet be the best thing for him considering we all know George Kittle and he would play on a broken foot he has no problem he
1: has played he's played with a broken bone in his ankle so it's uh it's part of who he is and yeah he's a
0: tough he's a tough son, of, son right. of a gun for sure and I think that's why so many 49er fans gravitate to him and and just appreciate and love the player that he is is cause he's just so damn tough. Um, he kind of represents all of the attributes. We, we wish we could be more often, uh, as fans, um, tough, uh, honest, uh, outspoken, you know, just seems like he has fun all the time. The dude is, is, you know, he's just awesome to listen to. And it seems like he lives his life
1: the right way. And, uh, Yeah, I want to be more George Kittle time.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: (laughs) Well, and then obviously the other news, and this has led to more than just uh, news in terms of injuries. But Jimmy Garoppolo is out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. According to some reports, there are torn ligaments in the ankle that could require season-ending surgery but Garoppolo is getting multiple opinions. And then in Shanahan's press conference today, he did state that this is actually a new injury, not a reaggravation of the old injury. So essentially he had a high ankle sprain. And then on that play in Seattle, he got another high ankle sprain just so happens to be on the same foot. And so the timetable for him is at least six weeks right now. But if he does need surgery, then that would be a season-ending injury, and so for all intents and purposes, Jimmy Garoppolo's 2020 season for the San Francisco 49ers, just like George Kittle, just like Nick Bosa, more than likely, just like D. Ford, is over, and we will we will be uh, we will be the uh, Big Nick experience moving forward for uh, QB one for the 49ers. Yeah. It really is unfortunate what happened to Jimmy
0: Garoppolo. He he just can't really seem to catch a break health-wise. Um you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no doubt that he's he's a tough guy too. Um I I mean, I think I'm going to I would argue just a little bit in regards to the fact that, you know, Shanahan says that this is a new injury and not a re-aggravation of the old one where it happens on the same same foot, same location. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo never really truly looked healthy and 100%. He looked better, but he never looked like he was 100%. And I mean, I know from experiencing high ankle sprains in my playing career that this is, you know, it's a sprain doesn't quite sound as bad as a break or a tear. But one of the things that you like you realize about a sprain is it, it, it is a tear in a sense of a ligament and just and not a this, complete tear. Right. And this is, you know, an high ankle sprain is a, a tear, a grade one, a severe sprain is a grade two uh, tear of the ligament that holds the, the tibia and the fibula together. And this is extremely painful uh, especially for a quarterback in your plant leg when this is the foot that you drive off of and you twist off of, and there's a lot of torque and pressure
1: put into that area. Um, it, you know, when you can see him, I would say you could see him favoring it since he's been back. I mean, very rarely do you see him drop back, plant his leg, and drive through a throw. He is dropping back, his footwork is off. He's throwing flat footed that way he doesn't have to drive off that leg. He's relying more on his arm than he is on his lower body. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's led to some of those horrific throws and interceptions that we've seen.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's no doubt that, that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't right in 2020. Uh, I don't think we saw him outside of the Arizona game where he was healthy. And the first half of the Jets game prior to the injury maybe the first quarter really of the Jets game that's true so ultimately maybe just maybe we saw the last the last play Jimmy Garoppolo will will have as a 49er Uh, I think uh, no matter what happens uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will have a career in the NFL Uh, I think he will find success no matter where he plays but some serious questions have to be asked in regards to if you are running this franchise and you see the ability to uh, acquire a quarterback of similar or potentially better skill if, if things pan out at at less of a price and by giving up Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, you're able to sign multiple players to keep the core of this team together some of the the standout players you have to at least explore that option so yes it is in question whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo will suit up another game for the 49ers in his
1: career yeah I actually uh, put out an article for the web zone on Monday and it simply said that it was time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and The gist of the article really made it more of a financial decision more than anything else. In fact, the first line I wrote was, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback, and I don't. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback, and I think if he has a good team surrounding him, that he can lead that team to the Super Bowl, and that was evidenced in 2019. But the issue that you have with Jimmy Garoppolo is that he has now shown himself to be injury-prone right? And you may think that's unfair to say, but he had shoulder injuries in New England. He tore his ACL three games into the 2018 season. He was healthy for 16 games. Well, more than 16 games in 2019. And you saw what happened. But now we're in 2020 and he gets injured the first half of the second game. And then he re-injures himself in, in week eight. And so you can't You can't pay a quarterback $27 million a year if you can't fully rely on him to be on the field. And so ultimately, I don't think this is a decision that the team will make because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't good enough. I think it's a decision that they will make for, like you said, to make sure that they can keep this team together long term. And, and, you know, the reality is, is as it stands right now, the 49ers have – six million dollars of functional cap space for 2021 and they're going to need to they're going to need to create more and then not only that but the cap is going to drop down to 175 million and so if if they get rid of jimmy garoppolo that's a savings of 24 million dollars a year because his dead cap hits only 2.8 million dollars they've they've paid him all of the guaranteed money in his contract and so if you get rid of jimmy garoppolo and you get rid of D Ford in the offseason, and you couple that with, and we'll talk about it in a second, they traded Quan Alexander on Monday. Well, now you've got a financial clean slate to be able to address the fact that the only person in the secondary that is signed to in 2021 is Jimmy Ward. And Trent Williams is going to be a free agent. Fred Warner's up for an extension. In uh, two years, Kyle, Debo will Kyle be. Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah, Kyle Juszczyk, uh is, is set to be a free agent. In a few years, Debo will be up for an extension. And Bosa will be up for an extension. And so the gist of my article was it's time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and look at a rookie quarterback. That was my you know, that was my thought and there, I have other thoughts, you know, Sam Darnold being one and, and we could talk about that in a little bit, but that's, um, that's the one that the 49ers really need to consider. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's played his last game in a 49er uniform and you know, who else has, has come out and said that. And so I feel pretty, pretty confident in my, you know, in, in, in my evaluation is Steve young, Steve young came out and said, he thinks that that Garoppolo's done as well. So
0: well It not, sucks, but I yeah,
1: mean, it's that's not where just
0: we're at. not just Steve Young though, but even Colin Cowherd came out and said it. And you know, to be honest, like he's he's pretty right most of the time in regards to some of his his takes. He doesn't fire hot takes out there, you know. Uh, I I do take into account what Steve Young and Colin Cowherd would say in regards to Jimmy Garoppolo. And let's not get it twisted. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner, and, and I think that under the right circumstances, if the, if the cap hit, uh, if it wasn't so hard on the 49ers in the future, that he would be more likely to stay on the 49ers and they would give him another year to try and uh, you know, get healthy and capitalize on his success as, as a starter because he does win but they are going to be faced with unique challenges with the cap going down in um, a very, a very difficult decision, knowing that there's there's a, a, there's a couple options out there outside of the draft that, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You have Matt Ryan, which is would be a financial stretch. You have Dak Prescott coming off a horrific injury. And you have Sam Darnold, who is still still has years left on his rookie deal he has
1: three years left and the other thing is he's only 24
0: i and i think people have forgotten based upon the fact that he landed in just the worst organization possible i'm gonna say it again the worst possible location with the worst coach possible jacksonville no sam darn (laughs) oh well close i'm like wait a minute what are you saying no, that was Gardner Minshew who, who landed in that awful situation. Um, no, Sam, people forget how, like how highly he was being recruited and how, how much of a, like how high he went in the draft and just what the NFL scouts were saying about Sam Darnold as him being basically a, a can't miss candidate. And he, you can miss with great talent when you go to a terrible coach and a terrible run organization with zero talent around you bottom line, Sam or yeah, Sam Darnold. He is a really good quarterback with really great arm talent and he is athletic. He, he has the capability of throwing the ball down the field. I think that if the 49ers wound up with him, I'm not saying get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's not what I'm saying from a, from a quarterback standpoint, but I'm saying, if they wound up with Sam Darnold, I would be very, very happy, and I don't think the 49ers would miss a beat, and Kyle Shanahan's playbook would open up because they could extend the ball down the field.
1: I remember the the play that that he had against the 49ers for the touchdown late in the game. You know, he was he was swarmed in the pocket. He got out and just on the run to his left, and you know, hit. I think it was Jamison Crowder. At about, I th- I think twenty five no, yards down the field, Crow- Crowder just, was out
0: that game. It oh, was, that was the uh, little yeah, right. little white slot receiver. I forget his name.
1: Yeah, but anyway, hit him on just like a frozen rope, like twenty five yard frozen rope. Just led him away from the the corner that was covering him. I believe it was Mosley, or no, it was Witherspoon. That's right, it was Witherspoon. But I just remember that play and, and just think, like, man, the the talent that this guy has is 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 enormous. And, you know, I think I think what Sam Darnold offers you is a higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo. It might not be as high of a floor, at least in the first year that if if you got him in the system, but I don't know. You know, and 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 we're gonna talk about uh we're gonna do some prognosticating in a little bit, but you know, ultimately, like you said, it is going to be a tough decision that they have to make and and you know I think the front office is willing to make tough decisions because they already made one this season in that they traded linebacker Quan Alexander to the New Orleans Saints for a conditional 2025th round pick. And then linebacker Kiko Alonzo is coming back in that deal. So Alonzo is currently on the pup list and is still recovering from an ACL tear that he had in December of 2019. So he actually may never suit up for the 49ers. The only reason I believe that he was included in the deal was to give salary relief to the saints in order for them to fit Quan Alexander's contract under the cap this year. One of my favorite things that I learned uh, in in looking at this trade and, and evaluating it from both sides is that, as it stands now, the Saints are, I believe, at $245 million worth of salary obligations next season when the cap is more than likely going to be $175 million. So they've got some creative accounting uh, ahead of them in order to keep a lot of this
0: (laughs) a lot of this roster together but it's either extreme restructuring or uh they're gonna have to let some players go because that's nuts no doubt doubt. it is a win at all costs for this year and i'm sorry new orleans but if y'all
1: don't win it this year it's over yeah you gotta blow it up over but you know ultimately this is i think a huge win for the 49ers the Quan alexander contract was going to be an albatross i'm surprised they got somebody to take it and not only take it, but you know, offer back a conditional fifth round pick. Now, obviously conditional means that there are some, some guidelines or some, some thresholds that will have to be met from Alexander during his play with the saints. And and we don't really know what those are. So, the likelihood of it being a fifth round pick probably isn't super high but that's what's coming back along with with alonzo but but honestly if alonzo you know if alonzo does make it back and, and can suit up for the 49ers for the stretch run they're getting a solid player back you know he he has i think he's missed is something i i saw a stat it was like something like 64 tackles in his career and Quan alexander has missed like 98 But Kiko Alonso had like 1,300 more plays than Quan Alexander did. So there's an upgrade there at the very least. And Kiko Alonso has also been known as a very solid coverage linebacker, which is what was one of the strengths of Quan as well. And so, you know, ultimately I think this is a huge win for the 49ers. And I thought it was the start of maybe a couple moves, but ultimately this was the only only trade they made before the trade deadline uh, outside of that Jordan Willis trade that they made a couple weeks ago. It, it and this one's hard
0: for me because i like i love quan i think he was an emotional leader he was someone who rallied the locker room and and it was someone fans could could kind of latch onto uh his his ability and and his recovery last season after his torn pec to be able to get back in the super bowl despite how he played i think it was an amazing uh testament to his his fortitude to, to be an ultimate teammate. And, you know, it, that, that's something that galvanizes a locker room that sets the tone and kind of sets the bar for someone like Fred Warner and, and Dre Greenlaw, players who are young and and striving to be great in this league. And Quan was able to set the tone and, and kind of give them a roadmap to greatness. Um, I hate seeing him go. But from a, a business side of things, from the financial aspect of how the National Football League is run, this made complete sense. It was a win for the 49ers. I have zero idea why the Saints would take this trade uh, with the, the 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 size of the contract. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But uh, needless to say, um, yeah, the 49ers won the business aspect of this. And I didn't think that there was any doubt that Fred Warner was linebacker one and Gray Dreamlock was linebacker two. So when you give up your third linebacker uh, and you relieve yourself of the cap space, I think that's a win-win for the 49ers.
1: Well, and I think the, the New Orleans Saints took on this trade because ultimately they can cut Alexander in the off season for nothing because the 49ers ate that dead cap money hit in making the trade and so ultimately you know Alexander will be there this year I don't I don't think you'll see him in New Orleans next year but it's a cool it's a cool opportunity for for Quan because he played his ball at uh, his college ball at LSU so um he's from Alabama and so you know he's kind of going home which is which is cool for him so you know I wish nothing but success for him except for you know in what 9 days, 10 days when the 49ers play the Saints. Uh hopefully, yeah, you know, it doesn't Anytime ball the out Saints like play, DJ Reed did against us. Ugh, anytime on he Sunday, pl- but,
0: anytime yeah. Quan plays the 49ers, no. I hope that the 49ers are are they win that game, but any other time, uh, I'm rooting for Quan on that one. I think he's a d- good dude and I wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Um yeah, he brought the hot boys, he brought some swag. Uh, on the defense, and it, it was because of him that the defense was able to kind of achieve the 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 swagger,
1: the drip. The- he got the block hot. Yeah, he did. He really did. All right, so let's take a look at uh, some practice participation things as we gear up for the Thursday night game against the Green Bay Packers. So Tevin Coleman, Debo Samuel, and Demetrius Flanagan Foles have been ruled out for Thursday night already. Coleman tweaked his knee, the same knee, in that game against Seattle, Samuel still has that hamstring strain, and then Flanagan Foles, I believe, is a hamstring strain as well. And then Jordan Reed, Jakuowski, Tart, and Richie James Jr. were limited participants in practice on Tuesday, and so no word yet on their uh, availability on Thursday. I know that they're not trying to rush Jordan Reed back, but with this George Kittle injury, you know they may they may look to activate him on Thursday. But ultimately, I you know, I think they would rather not risk anything because, again, Kittle's going to be gone for the season. And so you're really going to need Jordan Reed down the stretch if your plan is indeed to continue to try and compete for a playoff spot. And then last but certainly, certainly not least, mercifully, the Dante Pettis era has ended in San Francisco. The 49ers waived him along with defensive tackle Julian Taylor on tuesday taylor actually failed a physical uh, as he's been trying to return back from an acl tear and so these were really financial moves uh well pettis was financial and also play related and then taylor was was financial as well in making these moves the 49ers saved themselves a little over a million dollars in cap space which more than likely they will need to end out the season as they continue to have to pay players from the practice squad and guys that they didn't plan on having on the roster because of all these injuries. And so I think more than likely what you'll see is the elevation of Kevin White from the practice squad again, but because he's already been elevated twice, this third time they elevate him, they'll have to put him on the active roster and they'll have to give him a and, you know, a Veteran minimum contract. And so that was actually why he wasn't activated for the Seattle game and River Craycraft was because they literally didn't have the financial capability to activate him and give him an active roster contract. And so they made the Quan move that saved them money this this year. And then they waived Pettis and Taylor. And so, like I said, I think the corresponding move hasn't been made yet, but I think you'll see Kevin White come up from the practice squad.
0: Yeah, uh the 49ers are extremely smart in the front office and with their contracts they they do some pretty fancy and unique things uh to be able to clear space and to to get to get things right and they were in in a rough spot needless to say financially um not being able to bring up Kevin White for this last game in Seattle because uh he had already been brought up twice Um, and if they would have brought him up a third time, he would have had to have stayed on the active roster, which would have been significant more money, which they didn't have just kind of tells you how tight things were in San Francisco and they, or Santa Clara, either one, um, just how tight things were and understanding that, that Dante Pettis had, had opportunities, but, Ultimately, I think he does need a fresh start. He needs to get away from Kyle Shanahan. He got in his doghouse. It just didn't work out here. It's an unfortunate whiff of a a second round pick that the 49ers used capital to move back up into Yeah, so you traded up
1: to make that pick.
0: Yeah, that's that's a rough go. Um they've they've whiffed on some picks like Solomon Thomas and Dante Pettis and um who was their linebacker that they whiffed on? Reuben um, Foster. Yeah, Reuben Foster. they are just some some Joe of those. Joe Williams,
1: that, the running back out yeah. of Utah. Yeah,
0: some of these things. C.J. Beathard. They don't make sense. I, hey, <laughs> C.J. Beathard is such a fantastic 3rd strand quarterback. Okay, he's one of the best.
1: Um, but you drafted him in the third round. Yeah, just kidding.
0: Um, their their draft stock is they you know they've they've hit on some that were obvious, like Nick Bosa, and some that weren't so obvious, like Fred Warner
1: and George Kittle. And Dre Greenlaw. Uh,
0: Dre Greenlaw is... That's is, a fifth-round pick. He's really, really good, and he is emerging. He's not there yet. When he, when he earns uh, recognition from the rest of the league, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, something like that, then you can say they really hit on that pick. Right now, they're kind of breaking I, even with I well, a pick I, like that.
1: I will politely disagree with you because they drafted Dre Greenlaw in the fifth round and his emergence, whether or not he's at an all pro level, his emergence within the defense allowed them to move that Quan Alexander contract, which, you know, they signed trying to make up for the Reuben Foster miss. So ultimately, I think he's provided significant value as a fifth round pick, just in that he is a solid contributor on the defensive side of the ball and the author of the clinch by an inch. True. Oh, and I'll give you the fact that they did
0: clear cap space because of Dre Greenlaw's play up until this point. But let's not forget that he is still a second year player and he did have a terrible game against the Seahawks. His future is not yet written. It It is likely that he is going to be a fantastic linebacker for the 49ers and he'll be around for a while, but as we all know, that nothing is certain when it comes to NFL players. And Dre Greenlaw, I want hope for the best, like all of that. But you know, let's let's truth be told, he graded out as a, at a fifty six point seven against the Seahawks, and that's just not. There were many plays where it, you just watched, and he did not get the job done. And my hope is that he with with the loss of Quan Alexander with the fact that now more pressure is put on him and he understands that, you know, he's not just an unknown guy or a rookie or a second year player uh, getting out and being able to go out and show out and, and be spectacular um, just with, with his pure enthusiasm and hustle and, you know, extreme drive in the game where all he can do is overachieve now expectations are high and a lot of players kind of falter when the expectations go up the talent is there but can your mentals match your physicals take care of y'all mentals take care of y'all mentals thank you marshawn lynch and he is so true because when the expectations are so high and if you don't meet those expectations how do you handle that and that's the piece that I have yet to see with Dre Greenlaw. I hope he will. I think he will. But I'm just yet to 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 give evaluation on whether or not I think Dre Greenlaw was a successful draft pick. Because if he just falls off a cliff like some of the other players we've seen for the 49ers, and then that just goes down
1: as a missed fifth-round pick. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our QB corner.
0: Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains?
1: With our resident college QB, former Humboldt State lumberjack and Washington t- State, excuse me, Washington State Cougar, Timothy Sprinkles.
0: I understand that the Cougs are are less known in the state of Washington, but get it right, Brian. Come on.
1: I just stumbled over the word state. I knew it was Washington State. I just fumbled my words. It wasn't that I forgot you can always just
0: call us Wazoo. By the Wazoo. way, speaking
1: of speaking of uh QB corner real quick, I just wanted to interject. Somebody did uh, say on Twitter and I don't know if you saw it, but somebody suggested that the 49ers need to give a workout to former Washington State Cougar quarterback Anthony Gordon, and I thought that was a pretty good idea.
0: He's he was a great great player for us and uh you know, watching him play uh he can he has kind of all the throws in the book. Uh he's not the biggest guy in the world uh and he did play in uh Leech's spread offense where you're going to throw 50 to 60 times a game. So it's a complete 180 of what Shanahan does in regards to his offensive scheme and taking the ball under center. Uh but you're right. It would be an interesting stash on um, in the practice
1: squad. Let him Possibly.
0: Develop. And here's the part that I don't understand. Why didn't the 49ers get rid of C.J. Bethard? And like, and that's the part where like, because Kyle Shanahan
1: is horny for C.J. Bethard.
0: So it's almost ridiculous. It's to the point now where you kind of start questioning some of Shanahan's crushes because they're not. No doubt. I think,
1: I think that's a fair criticism for sure. Because you look at those crushes, Kirk cousins, C.J. Bethard, Joe Williams, Dante Pettis, and they all kind of have a theme. Although Kirk Cousins has been relatively successful.
0: He, he's, he's graded out okay, but when push comes to shove and it's big games, primetime games, Kirk Cousins doesn't get the job done. Like he, he will perform well, he'll put good stats up against teams he's supposed to beat, but anytime there's a game that's tough, that's a primetime game, Kirk Cousins kind of fades away into the background. That's, that, I mean, wilts. that's been proven, that's been proven over his career. For sure. So, all right. But sorry. anyways, that was an
1: interjection. Get back to the QB corner.
0: No, it, it's good. I love talking about uh quarterback play, whether it be college or NFL. And we had multiple uh, QBs in this game that we got to evaluate. Uh, Jimmy Dree, uh, excuse me, Jimmy G uh, definitely underperformed on Sunday. Um, that's not, that's not the obvious story that everyone's been talking about. We know Uh, He wasn't right. Uh, The big story right now is, is Jimmy G's future uh, going to be uh, in question as a San Francisco 49er? Uh, It does seem as if the fan base is split on this, Uh, you know, depending on who you listen to, uh, which media figure, whether it be local or national, whether you go on Twitter and you kind of get a, a pulse of the 49er fan base. It's it's relatively split at this point, and I do think a lot of it rides on what we spoke about earlier: financial uh, aspects of his contract, but other pieces uh, obviously kind of focus on his play. And Jimmy Garoppolo, whether or not you want to take a look at his his downfield accuracy and his twenty twenty yard plus throws in two thousand nineteen, where he led the league in accuracy, and you know he was. He was fairly efficient, if not very efficient, uh, as a deep ball passer in 2019. He just didn't get a ton of opportunities to the shift in 2020 where he was pretty pitiful. uh, One of the worst in the league at throwing the ball down the field. Um, Whether that was because he was playing on a hurt ankle and didn't have the ability to push off or not, uh, you know, this league, the NFL, is a lot of... What have you done for me lately? And it's a very short-term memory uh, for NFL fans, in particular when they're focused on the quarterback, the most important position on the field. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in recent memory, and and pretty much with the short-term memory of uh, America and 49er fans, it is he hasn't done anything for the 49ers. They forget everything passed about two three months ago
1: well let let me just say i texted you this earlier i wrote an article june 1st about how jimmy garoppolo could have an mvp caliber season in 2020 and i posted an article on november 2nd stating that it's time for the 49ers to move on from jimmy garoppolo so in a five-month span we've gone from possible mvp candidate to possible future new england patriots starting quarterback (laughs)
0: It's a good that's a good uh, that's a good spot for him to wind up if he does uh, get traded or gets cut from the 49ers but uh, that is how quickly things can change in the NFL and uh, how perception uh, forms reality uh, for a lot of NFL players, especially quarterbacks um, I, I don't think that uh, there's any doubt that on Sunday uh, Jimmy G's QB play on the field. Uh, he missed open receivers um he performed terribly against the blitz uh he made critical errors when the 49ers were either in or approaching scoring opportunities especially in the first half these were easy throws like reading uh, a double slant and, and seeing that the the slot receiver uh, had the step to the inside of the guy that was covering him because the guy that was covering him kind of broke off to cover uh, Brandon Ayuk. It was actually Kendrick Bourne who, who on this third down play, it was a critical third down play, about third and eight, and Jimmy Garoppolo hits Brandon Ayuk for a six-yard gain on a double slant. Um, and it was one of those reads where this is like, it's like a high school read. Your read... You can go outside in or you can go inside out either way, but um, you have to take a look at uh, both defenders and you have to at least see um, that inside defender bailing to the outside. It's like he knew where it was going. Uh, If he hits Kendrick Bourne in stride, uh, Kendrick Bourne runs, uh, I think, away from the safety and into the end zone for a touchdown. And then, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo missed it was Kendrick Bourne again on a seam route uh, later in the game. Um, and he forces the ball to uh, George Kittle. And uh, this was the play where Jimmy Garoppolo was actually intercepted. And it was one of those reads where the safety was, was in, uh, it was his responsibility to take Kendrick Bourne in the deep middle. Uh, he had the deep third, middle third of the field. And he didn't flow over to Kendrick Bourne's side. So when Jimmy Garoppolo hit the top of his, of his drop, uh, all he had to do was, was fire a ball 25, 30 yards down the field on the outside shoulder, on the sideline shoulder of Kendrick Bourne. And there was no chance that the safety was going to make it over. Uh, and instead of that, instead of a sure touchdown... Uh, he forces the ball to to George Kittle. Uh, it was off target, behind, which was something that I wrote about was one of his weaknesses uh, the week prior in an article where a lot of his throws sail or, or wind up behind his intended target, even in intermediate to shorter throws. And it was an interception, a drive killer. And it was one of the things that set the 49ers back in this game to a point where they couldn't recover even though the defense had given them two incredible uh, series to start the game. Um, The offense didn't capitalize, and unfortunately it was just too much at that point to overcome because the Seattle offense was was really rolling.
1: Well, and Um, we said before the game started that if the 49ers defense could get three stops, that could be the margin in which they could win the game. And unfortunately, the offense just did not – come to play at all and they could not take advantage you know the you, when you hold the seattle seahawks offense to seven total yards on their first two drives and you come away without scoring twice like you've set yourself up for failure and that's against the worst exactly defense exactly historically, in the NFL? Bad, historically bad defense i don't know so i don't know what happened yeah
0: i mean it was it, it, it was just bad and the fact of the matter is, is this brings up the question, is Jimmy Garoppolo the quarterback for the future? He does go out on, on injury. He's going to be out for an extended period of time with this high ankle sprain. And now we get to see what Nick Mullins is capable of doing. And we know that, you know, Nick Mullins can throw the ball. Uh, he He's not a great deep ball thrower but he's not afraid to put the ball 20 to 30 yards down the field. We know that he he's more able,
1: moxie than Jimmy. It seems he like.
0: does. And it, and it seems like he understands the offense better as well. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that Nick Mullins knows the offense about as well as anybody besides Kyle Shanahan. And, and that's probably moving forward. One of the best things considering that you don't have George Kittle, that you don't have Debo Samuel, that you don't have your, you, you don't have Raheem Mostert. You don't have the studs uh, on the offense that can kind of overcome some of the the defensive schemes that are put in front of them. Uh, it's going to rely heavily. These next two games are going to rely heavily on Nick Mullins understanding the offense and knowing what the defense is giving them and then what are the opportunities for the, the offense to take advantage of. Uh, Nick Mullins gives the 49ers a better chance with that understanding the mental side of the game he doesn't have the physical tools that Jimmy Garoppolo has and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have all the physical tools period so yes we are playing down like two pegs but I do think Nick Mullins is a capable enough quarterback to be able to get the job done bottom line is when he faced pressure against the Seahawks he wasn't just facing a prevent defense the entire time Against the blitz, he was 12 of 15 for 136 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty significant. Like he didn't just walk into the game, and the and the Seahawks were up by so much that they immediately went into a prevent defense and didn't pressure Mullins at all, and just backed off and let him throw the ball anywhere he wanted to go. Nick Mullins faced blitzes on his first drive. He faced it was eight or nine blitzes on his first drive alone. And yet he was still able to get the ball into the end zone. Bottom line is when Nick Bollins is on, when Nick Bollins is feeling confident, I I think the 49ers offense can be pretty darn
1: successful. All right. So that's gonna lead us into a little section that I wanted to take a look at. And, you know, in light of these injuries, in light of what feels like, as I tweeted out from our from our Twitter account, our Denim Dungeon Twitter account, you know, throw the damn towel when it came into uh, when when the information came out that that Kittle was going to be out for eight weeks and Grapelo out indefinitely. The question is, where oh, do we go from this, here?
0: My old friend,
1: <laughs> it's nice to be with you, you again. again. So, where do we go from here? And so, the question I want to ask you, there's a couple. So, the first one is, you know, what is the ideal scenario for the Forty ers as a team? Moving forward now, again, personally, what do I think? Well, I think it's time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you cut bait. I think you draft a quarterback and I think you sign Nick Mullins to, you know, maybe a modest two year deal to, you know, come back and then Nick Mullins is your bridge quarterback and, and either you trade for Sam Darnold or you, or you draft a quarterback and you take advantage of a rookie quarterback deal. And you invest more heavily in the secondary, more heavily on the offensive line, and you know you you take this thing and, and I think that extends your your Super Bowl window. And so ultimately for me, I know I texted you I said at this point, I think I'm hoping for four and 12 and you know honestly, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that the best or the ideal scenario for the 49ers is to only win one or two more games. I don't think a playoff run, I think they're capable of a playoff run, and 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 we can talk about that. But I think ultimately that would be almost a detriment to them for the future. And so, my ideal scenario, even as a fan, you know, and and I and I will continue to watch every game. But you know, if they end this season four and twelve or five and eleven, it it's just very similar to me to the 2018 season where they find themselves in a scenario where they are a good team with a bad record, and they get to take advantage of drafting high in, you know, in which case they got Nick Bosa and and now maybe they get the, the franchise quarterback of the future. What do you think?
0: Well, here's, I mean, I'm, I'm very torn in regards to whether or not, uh, the 49ers should draft a quarterback or they should go after a free agent or somebody that they could potentially get in a trade. Uh, I think that there is only one quarterback that makes sense for the 49ers Um, And I I honestly think he is a quarterback that has, whether he's as high as Trevor Lawrence, he has probably as much potential to be as good in the NFL. And that is Zach Wilson from BYU. I think that he looks nice that that quarterback is he has every tool in the tool bag. Uh, He is able to translate his game uh easily from the the college level to the NFL level he he's mobile he's athletic he has an extremely strong arm and he's very accurate on both intermediate short and deep balls uh i watched him um over the course of the last couple of weeks in some film study um he moved up in the pocket on the run off one leg it would looked like he flipped the ball 60 yards in the air um, right on target. And then he threw another pass on the sideline on a fade route, and he was able to drop the ball over the corner and perfectly place the ball 40 plus yards down the field to his receiver. And those are the type of throws where he's not hitting somebody who's wide open. Um, he's, he's placing the ball down the field with pinpoint accuracy. He has an extremely strong arm and he's playing with a ton of confidence. If there's one quarterback that I, I hope the 49ers get in the draft, if they are going to draft one it's Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, I
1: think, you know, I think, I think Lawrence is out of, out of contention. You know, Lawrence is going to go to the, he's New going York number jets. one period and he, or the New York giants. One of the two. Right. Well, I think the jets are going to go, zero and 16. And so I do think that they are going to have that first pick. The Giants are plucky. They almost beat the Bucks on Monday night, so I don't think that they're going to have the the first pick. And so, you know, the Jets are going to go zero and sixteen or one and fifteen. And if but they, line, if they don't draft. Is, yeah, if they don't, he's going to be Lawrence, in New York. One of the he's yeah, going to be in New York. The, one way the fan other. base is going to revolt if they don't. So, you know, so then you're looking at Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Those are kind of the consensus top four. And yeah, I agree. I mean, Wilson six three two ten. You know, he's uh, so far this season he's completing. Seventy-five percent of his passes for two thousand one hundred fifty-two yards, nineteen touchdowns, and two interceptions. So he's having a hell of a season, and you know I think he would look pretty nice in a in a scarlet and gold uniform uh, with yeah. Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. But, but again, if if that is if that is your if that is your ideal scenario, but you know, it's really not what you're looking at. Is, is it's not
0: my ideal. So that is my that is the. If the season goes south and the 49ers can't win, that's my scenario. But if the 49ers continue on the trajectory that I think they're actually going to do, I think they're going to wind up nine and seven, potentially, I, I still think they have the opportunity to finish 10 and six and make it into the playoffs because Nick Mullins is not a bad quarterback. Uh, and the reinforcements are he was coming pretty
1: bad against Philadelphia.
0: That's one game, bro. One game, and I I know know we were quick to jump on the fact that Nick Mullins was terrible in that game, but every quarterback goes through ups and downs, and he proved against the Seahawks, despite the fact that they're a terrible defense, that he's capable of making all the throws. Now, he's not going to have George Kittle, his safety blanket moving forward, but I still think that the 49ers are going to get enough Week after week, it's going to be like the trade deadline just continues to extend for the 49ers. They're going to get Debo back. They're going to get Raheem Mostert back. They're going to get Weston Richburg back. They're going to get Richard Sherman back. They're going to get, they're just going to get guys after guys after guys after guys that are are capable of contributing and they're just going to get better and better and better and better. And Nick Mullins is going to get better in the sense that. Every game he plays with core, solid, great players around him, the more confidence he's going to get. And I'm excited to actually see what he's able to do. And I think at the end of this year, if the 49ers are 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and 10-6, anywhere in that range, no matter how far they go in the postseason or if they just miss the postseason, they're not going to have a top four quarterback in the draft that they're going to be able to go after. So they're going to have to designate their resources elsewhere probably at cornerback or potentially defensive end like it just seems like that's all the 49ers do but they're gonna have to go after somebody like Sam Darnold and they're gonna have to pick up like a I think Sam Darnold could be the answer for the 49ers moving forward with three years left on his rookie deal he's extremely cheap he has a very good arm he's extremely athletic he's very smart and I think he would be great in Kyle Shanahan's offense You have two guys. You have Sam Darnold, who was one of the top prospects coming out of college just a couple years ago. And you have Zach Wilson, who is quarterback at BYU, which isn't a school that's going to get him in the top 10 pick, most likely. You're going to see Trevor Lawrence. Went
1: to North Dakota State, and he went second overall. So I don't think school really plays that big a factor.
0: But in overall, when you look at year after year after year, you're not seeing – the mid-major or smaller schools, with with players in the top ten, like you see the SEC, the ACC, and the big uh, the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, right?
1: You just yeah, don't. I'm just I'm just saying when it comes to quarterbacks, I don't think the school matters as much as the production, and then the ultimately the the performance at the
0: I I disagree. Combine. I disagree. I I would have to say in the sense that you have to be a stud in regards to your like the statistics, the body type, the size, the speed, the arm strength. Somebody like Carson Wentz where you look at him and you go, "Wow, that dude is he's just built different than most of the quarterbacks who are coming out in the draft." But you you look at somebody like a Zach Wilson where you're going to have two to three other guys including another quarterback from North Dakota State. So You have another quarterback from the same school where Carson Wentz came out of who's going to be right around that same range. It's going to be either him or Zach Wilson who come out 3-4. And I think you're going to get Trevor Lawrence and you're going to get Fields from Ohio State, two big schools, two big names who are going to go 1-2 for quarterbacks. So where does that 3-4 for quarterbacks fall? Are the 49ers going to be in striking range? Are they going to have enough ammo to be able to offer a team to trade up a couple of spots to go get them.
1: Well, and that's where, like, like I said, you know, the question is more, it sounds like, it sounds like I know your stance, right? My question is what is the ideal scenario for the 49ers as a team, right? Just as the team itself. And then the other question I had was what is the ideal scenario for 49er fan base? Sounds like for you as a fan, your ideal scenario is that they end up going eight and eight, nine and seven or 10 and six, and maybe sneak into the playoffs. And as a fan, I would say that would be great as well, because ultimately I love watching the 49ers win football games. And, you know, that's, that's why we play the game, right? We play to win the game, but ultimately I still think the ideal scenario for the team, especially moving forward and for the future is maybe not necessarily getting to eight and eight, nine and seven or 10 and six, because you really put yourself out of contention for one of those top quarterbacks. And I think that i ultimately there needs to be a new quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo's not the future. If you can get Sam Darnold that's great, but i also think that there's going to be more of a market for him, you know. Indianapolis needs a, a long-term solution at quarterback. Jacksonville needs a long-term solution at quarterback. No offense to your guy Gardner Minshew. You know, and there are other teams that there are other teams that do and so if you're the 49ers Well, now do you have to give your second round pick for Sam Darnold? And now you don't, now you have a first round pick, but now you don't have a second or third round pick because you already traded your third round pick for Trent Williams, you know? And so I think that's where, that's more what I'm talking about is like long term, what is better for the team? And as a fan, I don't want the team to lose, but at the same time, maybe ultimately that puts them in a better position for the future.
0: I just think uh, if they're going to win now, if they are gonna win next year, if if Super Bowl's in contention, you go for Sam Darnold. Other than that, then you're you're pushing things out too far. Uh rookie quarterbacks, you set a bridge quarterback like Nick Mullins, they're not they're not the answer to get you to the Super Bowl. So now you're pushing out a Super Bowl run another
1: year. Well, and that was my the, third and final question is is twenty one is twenty twenty one already a lost season? No. No what, what makes it not a lost season? What no, what you, has to transpire for it not to be? You,
0: Either the 49ers put all of their their backing and resources into Jimmy Garoppolo and he's successful in 2021, or you go after Sam Darnold and you're able to pick him up on his rookie contract and he's able to perform at a high level and you can sign the majority of the team that was here this year and they have to stay healthy. Period. That's it. If you draft a quarterback in the first round high and even if it's zach wilson or god forbid even if it's trevor lawrence like come on these are rookie quarterbacks there should not be an expectation for them to come out of the gate start and win a super bowl in their first year that's just no, not
1: yeah no doubt but at the same time you know if if you look at the 49ers defense and you say we can field an elite defense again because nick bosa will be back we'll have fred warner the secondary will be retooled maybe it's sherman and Verrett or. Whatever the case may be, you know, maybe you maybe you bring in a strong safety, maybe you resign Tart. You know, you that defense can be elite again, especially if you can get someone to replace D Ford in that speed rusher role. And so, if you have that elite defense, Jimmy Garoppolo already proved that you know a, a team with an elite defense and a game manager, a quarterback, could make it to the Super Bowl. And if you know, if if the if the rookie quarterback that you have you know is is more talented than Timmy than Timmy than Jimmy Garoppolo was then maybe maybe you could you know i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility it's definitely far fetched but i don't
0: know but it's it's not just about more talented like the one thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is that the team rallied around him they love playing with him he's a leader he's a winner he makes tough throws and he completes tough throws typically when he's healthy on third and fourth down in key situations. Those are things you can't just put on a rookie quarterback and expect him to do the same things that Jimmy Garoppolo was doing in 2019. I think I think Sam Darnold can do those things. I think Sam Darnold is the only way I take that back. Going after Sam Darnold or Getting a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo back and him playing above his 2019 level. Those are the only two scenarios the 49ers have to making it back to the Super Bowl in, the, in 2021. That's it. I if we draft a rookie quarterback, we're going 2022. If we don't go after, if we still have Jimmy Garoppolo and he uh, underachieves, but then we're we're facing the same question at the end of, at the end of next year.
1: Yeah, I just uh, again, I don't, I just don't see Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. So then the question really becomes, who will be the quarterback? Is it going to be Nick Mullins? Is it going to be a rookie? Is it going to be Sam Darnold? I mean, obviously we can't answer that question. And I'll be perfectly honest, I, you know, I was the engineer on the Sam Darnold train. Like I wanted them to trade for Sam Darnold at the trade deadline, get him into the offense to finish out the season, and then give him the keys to begin, you know, twenty twenty one. But We'll just have to see. So um, normally when we have these episodes, we do, you know, our 24 karat gold players our who struck gold, who struck out. We've got 24 karat, 14 karat and fool's gold. This performance really didn't (laughs) really didn't inspire us to find very many players. And so we really felt like the only player that stood out on Sunday and therefore is by default our El Jefe Tequila boss player of the week was Brandon Ayuk. Who had another terrific performance, uh, caught another touchdown pass, and in his last two games, he has, I believe, fourteen receptions for over two hundred yards and two touchdowns. And so he really does seem to be coming into his own in this offense, and that is nothing but good news for Forty Nine er fans and Kyle Shanahan as they, you know, they they look to face a a good Green Bay team, and with Debo out again, Brandon's going to have to do his best to step up like he has the last two weeks.
0: Brandon Ayuk has been phenomenal. Um, I think he has been everything that the 49ers have wanted out of the receiver. They traded back up into the first round or higher in the first round to draft. Um, And over the last two weeks, when the playbook has kind of expanded a little bit to include him down the field, uh, he's in the top four uh, in rookie receivers uh, in terms of stats Uh, for his production, which is great. Um, Brandon Ayuk is going to be a special player. And I think this is not going to be the last time that he is our El Jefe boss player of the week. Uh, Way to go, local
1: kid. Uh,
0: Sky's the limit for you, big guy.
1: All right, Brandon Ayuk. I love it. All right, now let's uh, go ahead and take a break and you will listen to the world premiere of our new El Jefe Tequila commercial. Uh, what's wrong, good buddy? Man, another 49ers player is on IR. This is getting ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it is unbelievable, but you want to know what helps me through this 2020 season?
1: Mm, let me guess. El Jefe Tequila? You know that's right. This block is hot. Mm, all right, so what's the play call? Are we sipping or are we taking shots? Neither. It's time
0: for an audible. You ever had a nitro draft margarita?
1: No, but that sounds delicious.
0: Oh, they are. They taste like Kyle Shanahan's play column.
1: Oh, you mean a perfectly balanced attack of flavor and velvety smoothness?
0: Absolutely. You better be careful or you'll run up the score. They're the best in the game.
1: To learn more about El Jefe Tequila or to purchase your very own bottle of luxury craft tequila, please visit eljefetequila.com. That's E L. J-E-F-E-T-E-Q-U-I-L-A dot com. It's mad luxurious. All right, so let's move ahead to a quick preview for this Green Bay game. That was Uh, a good commercial, Brian. Thank you. I like that one. That was good. Hey, and I commend you for uh, writing that in two and a half minutes. Well done.
0: Oh, God, man. I'm just so sick of 49er players going on the IR. I know, right?
1: Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go get some El Jefe right now. All right. So like I said, let's go ahead and get into a quick preview for the Green Bay game. Because there is a game on Thursday, we will not have a full preview episode. And so, but we did want to touch a little bit on the game itself before we get on out of here. And so last week, uh, the Packers did lose to the Minnesota Vikings 28-22. to largely because they gave up 173 yards on the ground to Minnesota, 163 of those went to Dalvin Cook, who also had three touchdowns to go along with his two receptions for 63 yards and another touchdown. I started Dalvin Cook in a DraftKings free uh, lineup and ended up winning myself $1.25, largely because he absolutely balled out. And so, you know, it, it, it just goes to show that, The defense that was absolutely embarrassed twice last year by the San Francisco 49ers, the second time being in the NFC Championship game where Raheem Mostert ran for over 200 yards, they haven't fixed that defense. And not only that, but it just seems like just like the 49ers. uh, The Green Bay Packers will be out most of their running backs. Uh, Rookie A.J. Dillon along with Jamal Williams are on the – restricted COVID list. They will not be playing. And then Aaron Jones, their do-everything tailback, is doubtful with a calf injury. And so both teams are coming in beat up. Obviously, the 49ers more beat up than than the Packers. But I don't know. I I think this is definitely a game that the 49ers could win. And so let's take a look at uh, third and long, which are the three matchups that we think will go a long way towards Uh, determining the outcome of this game. And the first one is similar to one that we had last week, but Emmanuel Mosley got absolutely torched by DK Metcalf, and now Devontae Adams is coming to town. And so our first matchup is Devontae Adams versus Emmanuel Mosley. And so what I wanted to ask you was, Mosley plays the boundary cornerback position, which is the... part of the field that uh, is the shortest, right? So in the NFL, the ball is placed either in the middle of the field or on the hashes, right? And so whichever side of the field has less width to it is called the boundary. And that's where Emmanuel Mosley plays. And it seems like teams are adapting to that by just simply having their number one wide receiver just line up on the boundary every time to go against Mosley, which is what Seattle did last week with DK Metcalf. And so my question to you is, how can or do you think Sala will adapt and move guys around so that the other team, this in, in this instance, Green Bay, can pick on Emmanuel Mosley? Well, it seems like the smart decision would be
0: is to flip Verrett back and forth between the wide side of the field and the boundary on uh, Devontae Adams, uh, the Green Bay Packers' best receiver. But this is not the strategy that Robert Sala has gone with throughout this year. uh, And it is shown because Richard Sherman uh, is the wide side cornerback. And in this basically uh, defensive setup, Uh, We have Emmanuel Mosley who played to the boundary side uh, of the field last year opposite Richard Sherman has kind of filled into that same role. And Jason Verrett is the one who has filled in for Richard Sherman on the wide side of the field. Very, very rarely does he ever follow a receiver to the other side of the field. Um, But it, at this point in the year, it doesn't make sense to continue that philosophy because Jason Verrett is the cornerback that is playing uh, much better uh, than Emmanuel Mosley. And obviously, Akilah Witherspoon is not even in the pitcher. So moving forward, you would need to think that you are going to get Richard Sherman back at some point. He is going to play the the wide side corner. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt in that. One, quarterbacks rarely uh, attack the outside portion of the field on the wide side. It's a longer throw. It's a harder throw. So Richard Sherman is able to kind of cut his area in half and just anticipate routes moving towards the inside portion of the field. Uh, At this point, why wouldn't you stick Jason Verrett on Devontae Adams, They're their most... uh, the most threatening receiver that they have
1: there no only matter of receiver that they have to be perfectly honest
0: probably and and there you have where now you're you're in a no lose situation you have your best guy on the best receiver the entire game he follows him around and you're protecting Mosley and you're also preparing Jason Verrett for when Richard Sherman comes back because it is a different way to play I don't think that they are going to sit Jason Verrett when Richard Sherman comes back. I think they're going to move him to the short side of the field, and he's going to have to learn that all over. So why not start getting him some reps right now? And whether you win or not, you're playing with a backup quarterback. You don't have your starting running back. You don't have your number one receiver. You don't have Richard Sherman before he comes back. You have all these reasons that are built in Uh, forgivenesses for the 49ers not performing extremely well.
1: Well, And ultimately, the other thing you can do if you're not willing to switch sides is at least do some disguising, at least disguise some of the the coverages that you have. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Dante Wittner said in the Seattle post-game analysis was, you know, too often the 49ers came out in a single high look and just essentially told Russell Wilson exactly what kind of coverage they were running and Wilson is a smart enough and good enough quarterback to just fully exploit and take advantage of that so you know I would like to see some more quarters coverage which you know could limit some of the damage that that Metcalf was doing and in this instance some of the damage that Adams could do or you know just more more variation as opposed to just sitting in, you know, a cover three zone and hoping that, you know, you can keep everything in front of you. So we'll see, we'll see on Thursday. We'll see what, uh, what Sala does. The uh, second matchup we have is Nick Mullins versus the Blitz. And you did already talk about this. And so, you know, we don't have to spend too much time. But I do think that ultimately, you know, Mike Pettin runs a defense that is predicated on just creating chaos, right, which makes it difficult for the the quarterback to, you know, examine the field, know what the coverage is, and know you know where he can go with the ball. And then on top of that, you know, when you're starting a a, a a backup quarterback. Ultimately, the majority of of defensive coordinators just blitz the shit out of that guy until he can prove that you know he can stand up against it. And you know Mullins can, and and we've seen him do that. And and he did it against Seattle. And so ultimately, the success of the offense, I think, is going to hinge highly on how Mullins handles the blitz. And if he handles it well enough, especially early, then I think that will kind of loosen the defense up a little bit which will allow the the running game to get going again and allow the offense to find its balance and its rhythm which ultimately will make it the most successful
0: and and this is this is something where you look at how Nick Mullins is going to do against the Green Bay Packers defense and especially the blitz it's multi-layered and it's going to start with with Kyle Shanahan's game plan it's going to start with how well does the offensive line handle the Green Bay Packers, both in the the, zo- the outside zone run scheme and also being able to handle the variety of blitzes that the Green Bay Packers throw at Nick Mullins and this 49ers offense? Nick Mullins does not need to do anything huge in this game. He needs to not turn the ball over, and he needs to get the ball in the hands of the 49ers playmakers Um, efficiently. What we need to look for is when you see blitzes, you need to see Nick Mullins being able to get the ball to Brandon Ayuk in stride. We don't want to see receivers reaching backwards for the ball or altering their route. If Nick Mullins is able to deliver the ball accurately and on time, I think he will be successful against the blitz because he was successful against the Seahawks when they threw blitz at him. Uh, because he had a very quick release. There was one play in particular where um, uh, Kendrick Bourne uh, had a slant out of the, the right side slot receiver, and and that cornerback uh, came off the blitz who was covering him. And it was almost one fluid motion where, where Nick Mullins was able to receive the snap out of the shotgun. And as he received that ball, he immediately brought the ball back into his throwing motion in one fluid motion. He delivered a strike to Kendrick Bourne before the the next level defender could get to him. And Kendrick Bourne bounced off that defender, ran for an additional 10 yards and spinning and trying to get further down the field. Those are the types of plays that Nick Mullins is going to have to make if the 49ers want to have any chance of keeping pace with this explosive Green Bay
1: Packers offense. All right, then the last up the sorry the last uh, matchup that we wanted to focus on is Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Pettin. I love this matchup. Shanahan has really kind of taken Pettin's lunch money every time that he's faced him, which I think Kyle kind of relishes in because Mike Pettin was his coach in Cleveland when Kyle had what seems like in in different interviews kind of his worst experience in his professional career, and so I think he kind of relishes just absolutely dominating Pettin and, and not only that, but you know, as the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, he went against Mike Pettin's defense every day in practice. So he knows what to expect. And we saw in the regular season in that absolute demolition on Monday night. And then we saw in the NFC championship game, Pettin doesn't really have any answers. And even with Mullen starting at quarterback, I think Kyle has a game plan that, you know, that he knows is successful And, you know, I I just think I think we're going to see another another Kyle Shanahan gem when it comes to play calling and offensive game plan.
0: I think the question is going to be, who is Kyle Shanahan going to be able to highlight in this game? Uh, In games past, it's been George Kittle. It's been Raheem Mostert. But both of those guys aren't playing in this game. He's not going to have Debo Samuel. So he's going to have to find ways uh for the 49ers offense to continue to be explosive. Is it is it going to be the Brandon Ayuk Show or is it going to be Jermichael Hasty who who kind of picks up uh the slack for the fact that there are no running backs left in the 49ers stable? Uh is this a game where Kendrick Bourne breaks out? Is this a game where uh Trent Taylor sees half a dozen targets uh, from from Nick Mullins. I don't know. Is this a game where Ross Dwelly uh, performs at an extremely high level? Is it Dwelly, Dwelly time. time? Is it? Is this going to be a game where the 49ers potentially rush Jordan Reed back a little early because of their lack of weapons on offense? My biggest fear is that it's not Shanahan's game plan that's that's the falter here. It's the fact that the 49ers just don't have very many weapons. And the Green Bay Packers could take away the one true threat, uh, receiving threat, which is Brandon Ayuk. And then they can also uh, concentrate on Jermichael Hasty. And when you take those two guys away, what's left on the 49ers offense? So, yeah,
1: someone's going to, I mean, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, maybe Kevin White, someone's going to have to step up. But we and, haven't, and seen, that. We no, haven't I know seen that. We haven't seen that so far that. this year. Yeah. So
0: it's just going to be interesting. Is it going to be one of Kyle Shanahan's masterpieces where it doesn't matter what player is involved in the play and he's able to scheme players open where it is it is easy pickings, as they say, or is Kyle Shanahan going to kind of have a stalemate with Mike Pettin and it's going to take the the athletic ability, the talent of his players to kind of overcome the Green Bay Packers defense. And if it's the latter of the two, I do not think the 49ers are going to be successful and win Thursday night. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have to
1: have another masterpiece if the 49ers are going to win this game. All right, so let's move on to our score predictions. And what I wrote down is, unfortunately for me, because again, I do think I would like to see a a 4 and 12 or 5 and 11 season just because I think that's better for the team's future but regardless of that I do think the 49ers are going to win this game. Green Bay still hasn't fixed their run defense and I just think Jermichael Hasty is going to have a big day. Now, the one thing the one big caveat that I have to that is that as much as the the running game is potent and you know, they were unable to stop the 49ers either time they played them last year. The big thing with with the 49ers run game is that George Kittle is an important part of it. As a matter of fact, last year on outside runs with George Kittle on the field, they averaged 4.9 yards per carry and a 43% rush success on outside zone. With Kittle off the field, they averaged three yards per carry and a 29% rush success on outside zone. And so... I am worried about that. I am worried that without Kittle, that run game may falter a little bit. But ultimately, I think at least against this Green Bay defense who can't seem to stop anybody in the run game, I think they will still be successful. They'll be able to sustain drives and keep Rodgers and Adams on the sideline. And I think Mullins will make enough plays in the passing game to keep the defense honest. And once they, you know, I I do think they're going to come out and be blitz-heavy and also stack the box and dare Mullins to kind of beat him with his arm. And I think if he has a few successful plays against the blitz, they'll kind of soften up that defense a little bit. They'll be able to turn back to the run game, get in that rhythm, get into a game script that is a positive game script for them, running the ball, you know, keeping ahead of the sticks, you know, limiting Mullins' know. I guess not exposing him, so to speak. And I think big drip Nick is going to make up for his Eagles performance and the 49ers are going to win this game, but it's going to be a nail biter 31 to 30. Surprisingly,
0: I am not as optimistic uh, as you are about this game. I, I just don't think that the 49ers have the pieces. Uh, So my, my brain is telling me one thing. My heart is telling me another as a 49er fan, but if I'm looking at the game objectively, I just do not think the 49ers have the firepower to be able to hang with the Green Bay Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he is going to come in as motivated as ever coming off of a loss to a division opponent after last year being embarrassed by the 49ers twice knowing that the their rush will not be there like it was last year. Kerry Hyder Jr. is not going to produce the same as Nick Bosa. Uh, there is no DeForest Buckner to pick up a fumble and run it into the end zone. Uh, these are the types of things where players like Eric Armstead, who need to step up and live up to their contract, he is not ju- He is not doing it at this time. The fact that we don't have a Richard Sherman to, to get an interception, we just don't have the pieces. So I think the Green Bay Packers unfortunately are going to win this game. Um, It will be close early. The Packers will pull away midway through the game, and then Nick Mullins will get a late touchdown to make it closer than the score seems. And I think the Packers are going to win this game 27 to 20, and the 49ers are going to have a must win going into New Orleans the following week.
1: All right. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. We are sorry it did go a little long. We tried to cram in a lot of a lot of what has been happening in Forty ers land. This, in is, the a last, this is, is, a is a two for two one. It is a two for one. So, so enjoy it. That's right.
0: Split it up over two days. There you go. There or you go. share we, it with
1: we, a, share it with a loved one. We re, we reviewed and we previewed and we talked about the future of the quarterback position with the Forty ers and for the first time i think in a long time you and i are are a bit in disagreement on what is best for the team moving forward and i appreciate that i think uh i think that makes for good content so we appreciate you guys listening thank you so much for uh subscribing if you haven't already please review the podcast leave a review um I guess leave a rating is what we asked for first because that's easier. And then if you have time, leave a review. Share this podcast with a friend who is a 49ers fan. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at Denim Dungeon Pod, And we will be back probably uh, not right after the Thursday night game. Uh, we will We will take the weekend digest. And we will be back on, hopefully, a triumphant Tuesday. But until then... Bang bang. Niner gang. Garoppolo fires. It is caught still on his feet is Kittle with a big play and a stiff arm. George Kittle flags fly. He's down to the third. What a run by George Kittle. Woo!
0: We're live, bro. <laughs>